Hello and welcome to Future Thinking with Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Brand Engagement and Multimedia Strategy at Stylus. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how brands and marketers can take action to support Black Lives Matter in meaningful, long-term ways and looking at the work that needs to be done internally to drive deeper structural and systemic change. To discuss this, I'm joined by Sonia Thompson, marketing strategist and consultant, columnist for Forbes and Inc., and CEO of Thompson Media Group, and Lexi Perez, strategic marketing consultant and co-founder of Bay Area Strategists, who has previously worked as strategy lead at Intel, uh, Intel's internal agency, Agency Inside, and as global head of social and content at Tough Mudder. So welcome to you both. Thank you for joining me. Um, I'd like to start with you, Lexi, and ask um, about the Black Lives Matter brand response tracker that you created recently. It's um, around 140 case studies are featured. Um, perhaps you could talk us through um, uh, how you created this, what it is, um, and the range of responses that you have um, been tracking. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the Black Lives Matter brand responses deck, um, it's very much a living and breathing brand tracker. Um, the reason why I started this was mostly because as you know, the, the unrest was uh, be starting, I started noticing a lot of brands kind of taking it as an opportunity to share some sort of response. And um, I started collecting a lot of the responses and eventually kind of found myself overwhelmed by the number of brand responses and brought on a team to help support. Um, but in terms of the types of responses that we've seen, I mean, they kind of run the gamut. We're seeing across many different categories and verticals um, in businesses. And the responses have ranged anywhere from like pledges to do better, better messages of solidarity, brand apologies, um, just uh, kind of um, wanting to show support and, um, you know, it, it, there was a bit of uh, uh, some, some messages were unclear and some messages were more pointed. Um, and then there were, there were in the early, early on, um, we saw that there were some brands that were even taking a step further and uh, providing some really clear action steps that they were taking. And so the way the living brand tracker for Black Lives Matter brand responses deck came together was, okay, well, we're seeing that brands are saying something, you know, they're using their um, platform to say something, but at the same time, we're also seeing action. So that kind of developed, that was a natural framework that came together, which was kind of outlining the message the action and then soon after that we started noticing uh the reaction from 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 their distinct audiences regardless of whether the plat whatever platform they're on so it kind of just naturally came together as a, as a very simple framework as, as i said and have you had i mean what sort of response have you had from other brands and marketers who have um been looking at the tracker i mean are, are there people who are who are um, being inspired by it to to take to take action, have you heard? Yeah, so it's been an overall uh, positive reaction from a lot of marketers and strategists. The real intent behind making this, honestly, was as a woman of color, I felt 
okay, this is a moment in time. I know how brands are going to treat this. They're going to treat this very much like a Super Bowl moment. Uh, everyone is saying something. Let's capitalize on this moment. And so um, as a woman of color who has worked at agencies as well as uh, uh, larger organizations, I'm very well aware that a moment like this, they're going to lean, uh, organizations are going to lean on their um, employees of color, given, you know, the topic here. And so I saw it as an opportunity of like, how can I help alleviate some, some, some of the load of, um, off of, you know, my fellow strategists and marketers of color across organizations and agencies. And so um, beyond just, uh, you know, uh, uh, employees of color who have reached out and have been very grateful and very supportive of this living brand tracker, other non-black and brown um, uh, strategists and marketers and folks, even business owners and founders and CEOs have reached out and said, this has been a tremendous, valuable resource to them. Um, more importantly, because, you know, outside of just showcasing the various case studies, it's, it's showcasing also clear steps for ways they things that they can be doing, but also how they can kind of walk that fine line and 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 not and and not try to um, fall victim of you know uh, these kind of red flag moments. And so you'll you see in the in the living brand tracker clearly at the very top there are ways in the right direction, and then following that um, there are some watchouts to consider. So overall, it's been a positive feedback. Great. So I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into what constitutes an effective brand action in this situation. I mean, we've seen responses ranging from, as you say, basic allyship to financial su support um, to calls for more systemic change, like the 15% pledge. So uh, what does meaningful brand action look like um, to you both? Sonia, maybe you, you, could, you could chip in. Sure. I think it's helpful for them to make statements. I think that's the baseline that brands need to do is to make a statement uh, that solidifies your support for the Black Lives Matter movement and that talks about some of the injustices that have been happening over a period of time. So just acknowledging it from, from that point of view is the starting point. But what consumers really want to see over the long term is the brand's commitment. So yes, it's great that you're donating financially. It's great that you are starting to learn and become more aware of um, some of the social justice issues and systemic racism, and you're trying to, um, you know, become anti-racist. But at the core of it, what a lot of uh, consumers need to see and what will make your efforts sustainable and appreciated over time is whenever um, brands are very clear about what they are going to do differently moving forward to support it internally. So that could be if your uh, team isn't diverse, making sure that your internal team is reflective of the people, the customers that you're serving. So it, it, it kind of falls on deaf ears if you make a donation and you post up on social media, but if you don't have your team actually look like the people that you're serving, or if you don't make changes to the structure of your team so that you can better understand and contribute to um, directly uh, changing um, some of the challenges that exist, then it'll fall on deaf ears and um, you know uh, it'll seem hypocritical in terms of your statements and what you're doing because statements don't really make positive change alone not alone yeah 
Yeah, I, w I would add to that that, um, you know, I think overall you know, brands tend to have this, um, this uh, idea that, oh, if we say something nice, <laughs> then, you know, check the box. <laughs> you know, we did our job. And, and taking that check the box mentality uh, outside of the equation, like that, that's not what this is about. Um, and I think also, you know, there's this um, realization that I think more brands are starting to have that whatever they say externally and whatever they do internally also has to somehow be in alignment with what's happening internally as well. What are they saying internally? What are they doing internally? So I think, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, very early on when the, when the unrest started, um, you know, there were, there were a lot of brands that rushed to, to say something and it was like a mad dash, um, which is typical. It's typical, like who can jump on the hash, the trending hashtag, you know, um, it's typical behavior. But then there were other brands that didn't really say anything for about a week or so. And I think they took a moment to maybe check their house and see if their house was in order, um, which was really responsible on their part. Um, but, but then at the same time still managed to come out with some sort of, uh, message of solidarity. Um, and even though they might've done that reflective work within that one week period, they still didn't have an action plan. So you ask, Chris, you got, you ask, you know, what are those, what does a uh, meaningful brand action look like? I think it looks like, um, moving away from those empty statements. I think it looks like, um, you know, getting your house in order. I think it looks like making sure that um, you have a clear understanding that the, the statements that you make have an implication. Um, I think it's um, using specific language, not um, kind of veering off or, or kind of teetering this neutral line, trying not to offend anyone. Um, <laughs> And, 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 we, and we saw that a lot. We saw, you know, a lot of vague language, kind of uh, these, these platitudes. Um, and, but also even acknowledging the audience that you're talking to, you know, like, how are you, is it, so you put out a, a statement on Instagram. Do your, who are your Instagram followers? How can you best serve their needs? How can you best serve your customer needs? And more importantly, are you serving the needs of your employees? Your employees are your biggest advocates. Um, and if you're not, if you're not doing both the, the external and the internal, you're, you're falling short. Absolutely. So there's a lot there that I would, would love to dig into. Um, mm -hmm. we'll come back to this question of language, I think, but I just wanted to start with this, getting your house in order. I mean, we, 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 uh, have seen over the past couple of years, this, um, a lot of initiatives within companies to sort of tackle diversity. Um, and some of them may be effective. Some of them, though, seem like it's a kind of siloed thing that gets compartmentalized um, so that, like you say, a box is ticked. There is a diversity group who are looking after that and we can get on with the, you know, the day to day business. Um, what you know, that obviously that is not enough um, and there needs to be a, a, a deeper structural change. So what does that how, how I mean, do you guys advise? Um, brands on this uh, and, and if so what kind of advice and what kind of strategies are, are you talking about with them 
So from a diversity standpoint, a lot of times what you'll see brands do is, it's not even brands, what you'll see companies do is it's part of the HR function and they're looking at numbers and, and different groups that they can do to support their employees. That is helpful, but it doesn't go far enough because the internal has to be connected to the external. So you have to make sure, and this is what I try to tell brands, is that they diversity, inclusion, and belonging has to be has to permeate throughout your organization. So that really means it needs to be a part of your values and a part of your culture so that it, it, it extends. It just doesn't stop at, okay, we've reached gender equality or we've um, got employee resource groups. It's something that extends to the brand team and the makeup of the brand team and how they engage with the different communities in which they want to serve. So diversity and inclusion isn't an initiative. It's a way of being. It's a way of life. It's not about metrics, although metrics can be helpful to get you to a point of improvement from where you are. But it's just more so about embedding yourself in the culture and once and, and operating with empathy and just really making sure that the goal isn't to make it an initiative, it's to continue along over the life of your organization, over the life of your brand, to make sure that you are not only an ally, but you are just entrenched in this world and you've got a degree of intimacy that makes it, it, makes it um, impossible for you to be able to ignore some of the challenges that are going on um, in the lives of not only your team members, but uh, the customers you serve because you can't look at them just as somebody who comes to work every day or somebody who buys uh, your product. They are um, whole people and the, the challenges that are going on outside uh, in the world influence the way they show up um, whenever they come to work and it influences the way they view your brand messages and engage with your product or don't engage with your product. Uh, so you can't just kind of look at it in a vacuum. So making sure that you are entrenching yourself and making sure that this is a part of your core and your values will changing that mindset and changing the way of thinking to be more so aligned with that is what will give companies and brands the the headway and allow them to think about how to approach this for the long term yeah yeah i i would also add to that that you know yes there there's the element of 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 you know a shift in the mindset but also if, you know, as, as a strategist, you know, a lot of what I see is brand and marketing kind of are not seen as they are a business priority, but they're not, uh, a, um, it's, it's kind of off to the side at times. And so what I think, if you look at it, you know, we have our marketing objectives, we have our brand objectives, how do those ladder up to the business objectives? So if we take it a level higher to the business priority, diversity and inclusion should not be, um, you know, an elective or a nice to have. It should be very much tied to a business priority. It should be at very top of that list. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times it's probably either number 10 on the business priority list or not a priority at all. And so how do we make, how do we make DNI more of a business priority um, across an organization? And, 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 and how do we, how do we measure that? You know, one way of measuring that could be tying DNI um, initiatives to 
uh, salaries or the hiring process and performance reviews, right? We have managers. They, if managers and, and senior leaders and executives across an organization, well, how, what have you been doing to ensure that diversity and inclusion is, um, you know, a priority across your team, across your, your group? Um, and let's measure against that. And that should help inform, okay, well, so-and-so you get X percent uh, bonus this year. Like, let's, let's tie it back to the, to the dollars um, to make sure that there's um, some uh, priority and some care and some investment that is being taken within diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I was talking about this subject a couple of weeks ago on another episode with um, Ernest Owens, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and we were talking about, you know, this idea of, uh, bringing more people to the table and making the table bigger and this kind of stuff. And he was saying, you know, that's not, that's not useful. The table can stay the same size. People just have to get out of the way. You know, yeah. it's about, it's time for, it's time for people to just step down and let other, you know, uh, other people get a chance. Um, yeah. You know, do you, do you, how, do you agree with that? I agree with that. I think, you know, an example of that was what um, Alexis, uh, uh, one member of Reddit. <laughs> yeah, um, what he did, you know, that was, you know, commendable behavior. That's him understanding and recognizing his privilege and saying, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to step aside and I'm going to give room for someone else. That's a great example. Um, what I also see happening a lot is the hiring of, you know, chief diversity officers. And I feel every now and then that 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 can be a good move, good move. And then other times. It, it's not a good move. Um, and, and, and the reason I say that is because it, based on my experience and what I've seen across organizations is a lot of these chief diversity officers are not supported. They're not given the power, the budget, the team, the, rec the, the, the priority. You know, they're not, they're not at the same level as like a CEO. Yeah, they may have the C-level suite uh, title, chief diversity officer, but you know, it's not a commercial function. Exactly, exactly. Right. And more often than not, it, it comes across as just like they're just another public figure, a figurehead across the organization that's just meant to be like, oh, you're here to solve, you know, the racism problem. Thanks. You know, <laughs> and, and, and again, it's taking that check the box mentality. So it needs to be ingrained within the business and it has to come from the CEO. It has to come. It needs to be across the entire C-level suite um, group. And, and, and also even how brands, it's not just the brands and the organization and the company, but also who are you hiring as your partners, as your vendors? Let's take it a, a step further. How are you, I've worked on the agency side, right? How are brands uh, making sure that their agencies are diverse and inclusive? You know, let, let's, let's check that. Let's, let's have a conversation about that. And then that way, these organizations are having a bigger impact beyond just their um, immediate organization. Yeah, it, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, it needs to be accepted that this is how we win, right? This is the way that we will win in the marketplace, especially moving forward. The old ways of just sort of going with the masses and um, going with what's mainstream, that doesn't work anymore. And the data supports this. The companies who have diverse teams outperform their peers. So going back even to your original question about like how can, is it about expanding the table and just giving more people seats at the table? 
that kind of dilutes it. It dilutes the process. And it's not just about giving people a seat at the table. It's making sure that they understand and know that their voice is heard, that they have a voice and that their voice is heard. Not just that, okay, we gave you a seat, you should be happy, shut up, and we're just going to keep going on with what it is um, that we've been doing all along. It's more of making sure that you are actually seeking out those voices um, and making sure that they are representative, of course, of the people that you're serving, but knowing that the benefits of diversity only come whenever you allow people to bring forth their different ideas, their different ways of thinking, their different backgrounds. It's not about just having the numbers and the optics there and we're just going to continue along doing what we're doing. You have to allow that tension to exist for those new ideas to come forth and to change not only the way um, the team thinks, but the way they operate, the way they show up, and the way they um, deliver things trickling down throughout the organization, as well as what you're sending out uh, to the customers that you're serving. That's whenever you'll be able to tap into the power of diversity. So I think the question I'm going to ask is kind of the answer is what you've just said, you need to tap into the power of diversity. But I think it's, I wanted to go back to this idea of language and actually something you just mentioned there about there being no mainstream. Um, you know, we talked earlier about generalized statements that brands will put out because they're too scared to get specific. And I think one of the reasons that brands are too scared to be specific is because they don't want to get the language wrong um, because it's changing. Well, the, the sentiments are changing quickly. The, the cultural conversation is moving so quickly. I think that's a legitimate um, challenge if you haven't got your house in order yet. I think having your house in order would obviously help that. But for brands that are, that are faced with that challenge, what sort of advice could you, could you offer them? So that at the core of that is a customer intimacy problem, right? So if you aren't close to uh, your customers and you don't um, understand them at a level to where you know how to support them, how what to say at a minimum to not offend or step on their toes or, or what they need to hear from you in that moment. That just shows that you're maybe even sort of an outsider looking in. You want to be a part of the moment, but you're, you're just really not sure how to do it. And that's okay. Customer intimacy can be solved by working through building relationships. In the short term, um, if you don't have that degree of intimacy, you have to move forward and seek out people who do, who can help you craft the right statements and making sure that you're not giving those missteps. But the, the, the key is ultimately, it's better to move forward and try and make the, um, make the effort to get involved because you're not gonna gain customer intimacy overnight. You get it by being a part of the culture. You get it by ingraining yourself and working to build relationships to where you understand what's happening, what's appropriate to say, what's not to say, what are the important issues. Um, but you you just get there by putting forth the effort and, and that's how you get more comfortable with the culture. Um, so you have to be willing to make some mistakes and make some missteps, but know that you're doing the work to minimize that happening in the future and bringing people alongside you if you don't have that on your team now to coach you, to whisper in your ear, to um, give you the guidance that you need um, to help push you in the right direction and figure out how to become a better part of the culture without offending as much as possible. 
Yeah, I think there's also something to be said about, you know, um, brands and people want brands to have a point of view. I mean, and granted, not every brand can be a Ben and Jerry's, not every brand can be a Nike. Um, but where, where does a brand stand on an issue? Like people want to know that people want clarity into that. And, 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 and what I find is that a lot of times, um, brands want to be, uh, they want to appease everyone. They, they, they want to be the everything for everyone, in which case you wind up being nothing. And so it's, it's, you, you have to pick a lane. I think you have to pick a lane. And I think part of picking that lane is taking that moment to reflect and, and, and acknowledging your role as a brand in society. And a lot of brands are saying, oh, we, we're, we're human. You know, we, we are like an extension of, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're brand, we have a great brand personality. We have a great, uh, brand identity. We are human. We are, you know, all of these things. And so if you're going to take on that role that you're human, then you have a role in society and, and there's data to support that says, you know, pe customers, uh, people out in the world, society are looking to brands to help uh, drive change. They, there's more trust in brands right now than there is in the government. So, uh, you know, there, there's something to be said there. And so, you know, they, if, you, if you're going to say something, acknowledge your shortcomings. Really acknowledge it. Say, you know what? We messed up. We are not, our house is not in order. And we understand that this, this is a big issue. We understand it's a big issue for our employees, for our customers. And here are the action steps that we are doing to, you know, get on the right path. And I feel like that alone, like, while it may not be a message like Ben and Jerry's where they're trying to, you know, we're going to dismantle white supremacy. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it still shows a level of humility and a level of uh, humanity that, um, that a brand can, can tap into. So, but, but taking the approach of just, oh, we're so upset that this is happening out in the world and Black Lives Matter. And it's just like, what? Like, what, what, what exactly are you saying here? Like, how, how are you, what's, what's your role in this situation? How are you helping the situation within, the, within, the, within your confines, within your world, within what you can control? You know, we can't expect brands to create government policy change, but what we can do is we can hold them accountable for the work and 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 what they're doing within their within their organizations yeah sorry go ahead sonia no i was just going to talk more about how this goes back to that values discussion that we're having and making sure that brands are very clear what their values are because as they start speaking out about social justice and start taking a stand they will inevitably lose some customers who feel like this isn't their place this isn't their role. They just want them to talk about um, their product and service. We saw this even when there was no controversy going on whenever, um, I believe it was Gillette, whenever they started talking about um, what it meant to be a real man and you know trying to eliminate toxic masculinity. There were countless people who just thought that this is a conversation you shouldn't be having. Stick to talking about razors. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so as we start to see more and more brands entering into this type of conversation because 
brands want to be people. They want to be thought of as something, somebody who's integrated into your life. You have to be prepared that not everybody's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like your message, especially if this isn't something that you've been talking about before. So just as you might start winning new customers because you are taking the stand, make sure that you, that's why it's very important to know what your values are and to lead with your values because that will help you realize that it's okay when, if you do, in fact, and you probably will lose some people who aren't enrolled in the direction that you're going in and who aren't um, comfortable or they don't like this new stance that you're taking. They want you to stay neutral. They want you to focus on just your features and your benefits and, you know, what kind of discounts you might be able to give them. But if you're going to take more of an active social role, just be prepared that not everybody's going to like it. You will win some, but you're going to lose some along the way as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that was sort of the next thing I wanted to discuss actually in terms of, you know, if we were having this conversation two years ago, I would be talking about Nike partnering with Colin Kaepernick. And I would be saying, you know, I, I, I remember there was a poll on ad age, I think, saying, you know, is this a good move for Nike? <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe it was gamed, but, you know, the majority of ad age readers said, this is not a good move, you know, they're going to alienate people. And, and that idea of that happening now seems crazy. You know, I, I think things have changed massively. Um, do, do you feel that there's been an evolution? Do you feel like it's it's easier for brands now to 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 make these sort of stands? Um, and if so, are you hopeful that, that, that there can be some you know, long lasting change this time? I don't know if it's easier for them to make um, these stands, but it's not optional anymore because the consumer has changed over the years. So before, maybe consumers weren't so interested in the values of the brand. But these days, people are actually looking and seeking out what the values are of the places where they're spending their money. So they want to make sure that they're giving their money to people who reflect their values um, and who stand for what they stand for. So it's not really, brands don't have the luxury anymore of standing on the sidelines and not um, taking a stand in this regard. Uh, so it's it's not getting easier necessarily, but it's necessary. Um, and over, I am optimistic that this will continue because there's there's no shortage of issues. <laughs> there's no shortage of issues, and consumers are starting to see how powerful their voices are in impacting change and getting brands to respond and let them know where they stand on an issue. They are voting and speaking with their dollars and using their voices on social and plenty of other different um, avenues. So I'm optimistic that this isn't going to die down anytime soon as there are lots of consumer um, advocates um, and activists who are going on and demanding brands, the people that they're spending their money with to do better and to show up for them. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that sentiment 100%. Um, I think yeah that the that they don't have a choice. Brands don't have a choice anymore. It's it's a new ball game. <laughs> Consumers um, are they are voting with their dollars, and they are you know very much looking to see how do brands align with my values. How are they serving my greater needs? What are they doing for future generations like what is their role in society um and so yeah brands do not have the luxury of 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 sitting this one out 
And if they do, you know, it'll, it'll very likely have some sort of, you know, negative business impact. I mean, we see the purchasing power of, you know, black and brown people. I mean, it, 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 it is continuing to grow. And so if this is not an issue for, um, for a brand, it is an issue for the business. And so, you know, purchasing power is, 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 is a big, big, um, it's, it's a big thing, you know, like you have to follow the dollars, you have to follow where the money is going. And if black and brown, uh, communities and people are having a greater, um, share of, of that purchasing power, you, you can't ignore it. You just cannot. And so, um, I, yeah, I agree that they don't have a, uh, they can't ignore it. And I, I am optimistic that this will continue to be um, an issue that uh, companies and brands will continue to, you know, try to manage and do more. I do believe that customers are not, are going to continue to hold brands and companies accountable. And I also think that employees are also going to hold uh, these organizations accountable. I mean, we see, we're seeing that with Adidas, you know, people are just saying, Hey, that's a really cool message that you put out there, but that's not reflective of what's going on in here. So it, it's a combination of customers and employees holding, you know, organizations, brands, um, leaders accountable on this matter. Oh, fantastic. I think those are uh, good, important words to finish on. And, and hopefully you know, from from my perspective, it's a, it's something that can spur greater brand creativity and, you know, greater success. These things are not challenges which are going to uh, knock brands down and uh, uh, and destroy them. These are things which should be embraced, um, you know, for the success of everybody. Um, thank you for a fantastic conversation. I'd just like to, to, to point out to our listeners and, and watchers that, uh, Sonia, you're in Buenos Aires, right? Lexi, you are in Oakland. Oakland, and I'm in the south of England. So it's a fantastic global conversation we've been having. <laughs> um, thanks to lockdown. Um, thank you so much. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Sonia Thompson and Lexi Perez. And thank you for listening and watching. Please join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.